0: You're listening to The Vine Podcast, episode 77. In today's episode, we're talking all about Pinterest. If you've been trying to gain traction on Pinterest, but you haven't been getting the pin discovery you've been after, keep listening. In today's episode, Kate All of Simple Pin Media joins me for a conversation around the top Pinterest mistakes you might be making and how you can fix them. Hey friend, I'm Madison Weatherill, a web designer and branding strategist for food bloggers and your host for the Vine podcast. This show is all about supporting you as a food blogger as you grow your business. I'll share tips for designing your business and your website with intention so that you can build a blog that fits into your life, not consumes it. You'll hear tips for connecting with your audience, growing your blog, and tips for managing and designing your website, all in short, easy to consume and actionable episodes. If you're ready to think differently about the strategies and tactics that you need to grow your food blog, you are in the right place. I'm so excited that you're here, friend. Let's get started. Welcome friends, I'm so excited to have you here today listening into this conversation. Now, I am just thrilled to have this guest on the show today. When her team reached out about being on the podcast, it was an easy yes, because I know as food bloggers, your relationship with Pinterest can be complicated. Now our guest, Kate All, is the owner and founder of Simple Pin Media and the host of the Simple Pin Podcast. She teaches entrepreneurs, product sellers, and bloggers how to find and convert their perfect person on Pinterest. You're going to learn about the do's and don'ts of Pinterest right now, how Pinterest has radically changed over the last few years, and Kate also shares some wisdom on building a team and growing your business. So with all of that being said, let's jump into the interview. Hey Kate, welcome to the Vine podcast. I'm so thrilled to have you here today. I know that the listeners are just going to love hearing about these three mistakes that could be hindering their pin discovery. But before we jump into Pinterest, tell us about yourself and tell us a little bit about your story.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. So I have the Pinterest management and marketing company, Simple Pin Media. It's now been almost eight years that I've had that. And I started in Pinterest marketing because a friend suggested it to me at a kitchen table when we were super poor. I had three kids on food stamps about to end unemployment for my husband. And she was like, you should manage people's Pinterest pages. And I thought that's a dumb idea. Nobody's ever going to go for it. And she was like, you're poor. You have no option. So I ended up diving in headfirst to how to To make Pinterest marketing work for businesses because people had really only used Pinterest for a couple of years. It was about three years old at that point for just their personal use. So, this leap from business to personal, especially because so many people were focused on Facebook at the time, just didn't make sense. And so, when I dove into it, I really came at it from a perspective of how do I make this easy? As I know, bloggers have so much on their plate. There's writing posts and all of that and all their goals. And so I started with three beta clients in 2014 and told them to give me all the feedback. What was working for you? What was not working? And in that time, they were like, this is amazing because I'm getting all of this traffic from Pinterest that I was getting from Facebook before. And now I feel like I have a diversification strategy. And so they told a couple more people and they told a couple more people. And by late 2014, I had a ton of recommendations from people referring clients to me. And so at that point, we made the decision to turn Simple Pin Media into a full-fledged company. It was before, but I really thought it would fail. So I really wasn't leaning into it. But then towards the end of the year, I hired a business coach because I was basically growing so fast, I didn't know what I was doing. So- There's two things, Pinterest marketing and business that I was learning at the same time, but still do it, still love it, and think Pinterest is a great avenue for people to get traffic to their website.
0: Yeah, I love hearing your story, and I love that you talked about the diversification because I think that, especially during that time frame, and even now, it's such an important thing for food bloggers to consider because, as we've seen with pretty much every you know, social media network or anything, when something changes, all of a the sudden there's this panic of what do I do now that this isn't working? Okay. And so, that is kind of going to lead us right into this topic of conversation of these possible mistakes that people might be making and really what to do if they're not getting the traffic that they're wanting to get from their Pinterest strategy. So, I would love to, you know, kind of to introduce that topic. I know that there has been a lot of changes in Pinterest yeah. over the last year, especially just with the nature of 2020. So do you want to kind of summarize those for us first and then we can dive into the mistakes?
1: Definitely. So Pinterest in April of 2018 uh, became a publicly traded company. And so what happened at that point was Pinterest had to keep people on the platform longer, right? They needed new users. Well, they worked at that, worked at that. And all of a sudden the pandemic hit and their users exploded over the year. They doubled in growth, they expanded globally, and it was amazing for their platform, right? And they also had to figure out, okay, we've got all these people Now, what are we gonna do to keep them around? Video was introduced in that timeframe too as well, 2019, 2020. It was even previous to that too. Some people were using it, but people felt like it was a speed bump. They really didn't know how to use video, but now there's a billion views of videos on Pinterest per day. And so it's definitely taken off and they've added in story pins. I feel like bloggers hate story pins, but I'm here to convince them why they're so awesome. They don't link. And so that was another reason where Pinterest implemented something that kept people on the platform longer, but they do stick around forever. And there's no reason to save it to a highlight or a bubble. You're just saving it to a board and users are doing the same. I like to think of it a little bit as like micro blogging. So if you have a topic you want to talk about or a recipe you want to do, but you don't know if your people are going to love it, you can use that as a story pin. And that's why Pinterest created it because Gen Z and millennials, well, not so much millennials, but more Gen Z were really coming onto the platform and they didn't have a website. They really have all these micro sites with YouTube and with Pinterest. And so that was a way for them to express themselves, to show their creator side without having a website. I also think, I mean, let's be real, it was keeping people on the platform longer. So Pinterest has changed its algorithm a bit because it needs regular pinners to embrace these new tools to go to see it. So once they click on a story pin or they click on a video, those are going to end up more in their home feed. So these are a lot of the changes that Pinterest has made with the goal, obviously, of getting more advertisers on their platform.
0: Yeah, and that is definitely a really big switch. And like you said, it is a frustrating point for food bloggers or any content creators that do have that website because the goal usually is primarily traffic. So how does something like creating story pins translate or does it translate long term to traffic? Does it help with brand recognition? Kind of like what is the value in investing in something that feels kind of counterintuitive for maybe some of the goals that you have for your blog?
1: Yeah. um, Yes to all those. So let me walk you through them. So one of the things with story pins that we're seeing from not only the people who are in the beta, but some people who are still creators is that they're getting direct traffic. And in your Google analytics, you'll just see this as pinterest.com slash. It's just the people that are coming from a story pin. At the end of the story pin, Pinterest takes them to your profile. So this is leading an increased follower growth and then also increased direct traffic coming to your website. So what we love about that is that the the teaser of the story pin gets them really interested. If we're talking about a cocktail, people are still saving it for later. They're revisiting it and they're getting brand recognition about who you are. So they're seeing that you're creating these recipes and the more they save them and click on them, the more the rest of your stuff ends up in their home feed. Because Pinterest says, oh, they're interested in this bonus. They're also clicking on a story pin, which is what we really want pinners to embrace. So we're going to show them to more people. So for us, we started testing them in July, right as they were released. And I started with older content. So this is a tip that I would give people. It doesn't have to be brand new. If you know that you have a pin coming, driving traffic from Pinterest, let's say it's your blueberry muffins and it's just knocking it out of the park. It's been bringing you traffic for a couple of years. Turn that into a story pin. And what we're seeing is that that stuff is rising to the top. And so that Storypin back in July has actually had three bumps for us in this first quarter of 2021 to bring us more direct traffic. Obviously, it's really hard to nail down if it's that, but you can do some hypothesizing with some digging and looking at numbers. The other part is that Pinterest is working on a creator monetization program and big brands do not have access to Storypin's. I think this was purposeful because they want to say, hey, big brands, we want to match you up with our creators in this program. If you want to do any sponsorship opportunities, this is the way that you do it. And they're making that connection. That's not public yet. It's just, I know a few people are in that beta program. You can see paid sponsorship underneath those story pins. But I think that's another good way to also position to a brand. If you do a media kit or you're doing sponsored content, you can say to them like, oh, hey, I can do a story pin for you. You can charge more for that. So I think brand awareness, it's what Pinterest is putting their emphasis behind. And when we see a platform, even like Instagram, where they're putting emphasis on reels, this is the equivalent of what Pinterest is prioritizing. So that's my soapbox about story pins. I love it.
0: So if someone has never, and this will be our last question about story pins, and then we'll dive into these, you know, traffic mistakes. But if someone's never done a story pin, How should they get started? What type of content should they use for a story pin? And kind of what would your tips be to just make it happen?
1: I would say number one is don't overthink it. Like just, just do it. Food bloggers are incredibly creative. I've always been in awe of the creation of what food bloggers can do. So you can whip these out probably pretty easy. Number one, you can create on the platform or you can use a tool like jump rope. We like to use that for a lot of what we do as well. And you could simply do, let's take a, like an old fashioned cocktail and there's like a spin on it. That first one would have a card just describing what it is. You can even do a video, a quick video with that one too. Pin Interest is saying they like these 15 second videos. And then this the next cards, let's say there's the steps to making this old fashioned. You can do that as well there. And you can list the ingredients too there. They have a space for that. And just make it simple pictures. If you want to do a picture with just a really simple uh, text overlay, you can do that too. You can create it fancy and jump rope, or you can create it right in Pinterest. You just click the plus to create a story and it'll walk you through what needs to happen. They're recommending anywhere. I think it was like two to 18 cards, there's there's no magic number. Let's just say that. It's really just leading people through the step-by-step of what you're doing. I have made many recipes off of story pins simply because I can see the steps. And then I actually want to know more. So you list the ingredients, but you don't necessarily have all the instructions for it. I, I believe you can. I need to go double check on that. Some people do list the instructions, some people don't. But I have come across like a bread recipe. I'll go straight to their website and search that website too to find it. And I think
0: that's a good point too, because it, it may be wise to test that kind of thing out and see what performs better. Because if the expectation is that somebody needs to go to your site, then obviously that is the goal. And hopefully they'll do that. But there may be some things like a cocktail recipe where it's super easy to put it all in a story pin and maybe get some recognition, you know, just to your profile through that. And so I think like everything, experimenting with it and just keeping it simple, like you said, just to get started is a really great way to figure out what's going to work with your account specifically, because everybody's account can be so unique. Yes, definitely. All right. So let's talk about getting traffic to your site how we use Pinterest for that, and really just starting to dive into some of the mistakes people may be making and you know the improvements that they can make to get their pins more discovered.
1: Yeah, I would say that the one mistake we see people making is, it's kind of a two-in-one, so I'm going to do a twofer in this one. One is the mindset that it should happen quickly, and then also it's the... Ups and downs, the navigating the ups and downs of Pinterest. So you're kind of so emotionally invested in like what you had before and what you don't have now. And what we tell people now to avoid this mistake or trap, if you will, in the mindset piece is Pinterest is an arm of your marketing. And what it is, is a place where People don't care about you. They care about your recipe. They're going there to find a solution. They're going there to find what this recipe is. And a lot of people put so much stock in like the traffic spigot just constantly being this upward trajectory growth, right? That they're like, oh my gosh, I dipped. Or oh my gosh, I did this. We get a lot of people who come to us and say, you know, my traffic is down From last month. And so we have people pull back and say, what did it look like last year? And especially with the pandemic, food bloggers just rose through the ranks in April and May of 2020 because people were home. It was like sourdough bread was all the rage, right? And people were just making all this stuff. So the mistake I think that people make is not looking at it as a long game. This is really a long term strategy, like you invest in Google SEO, like you invest in this platform. It's the same way. So stop thinking thinking of it as these instant gratification metrics that make us feel good and go, my people are on Pinterest. People go to Pinterest to find recipes because they want to see what it looks like. Google's not that fun for us to go to, right? Because we're we're dealing more with text. We do have images too over there as well, but we go to Pinterest because it's the only place we can find recipes and save it for later. So when you get so caught up in these ups and downs and the, I want this, I want that, you lose sight of your person. And so that would be mistake number one that we tell people is keep focused on the people in the future. The people are going to connect with your recipe.
0: So with that being said, how often do you recommend looking at things like analytics or I guess really looking at them from the perspective of is this working? Like Mm. how would someone how long would someone need to stick with it to figure out if it's working or not?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question because I realize there's a few things that can happen. One, a lot of us are in Facebook groups and somebody else posts something and they have an amazing strategy and they're having amazing growth. And all of a sudden you compare your numbers to them that's number one. Don't do that. Number two is go into your Google analytics once a month and then take stock of what happened in that previous month. Look at what worked, what didn't work. Pinterest analytics is getting better too. You can see analytics on story pins, on video pins, and remind yourself of why you're using Pinterest. Like I'm very big on distinguishing between strategy and tactic. Strategy is why you're using a platform. I use Pinterest primarily because I want to grow my email list because I know most people coming to my website They're totally new to me and they are different than Instagram. They are different than Facebook. So my primary goal is to get them on my email list. That's my strategy. My tactic is I'm going to use story pins a couple times a week. I'm going to pin X number of times, right? So when you go into analytics, you want to weigh it against your strategy goals. Is this accomplishing the goal? So if you are getting a ton of traffic to a particular post and your goal is ads or affiliate income, have you updated that post? Have you looked at the affiliate links? Do you really know Know how you're optimizing. And then if you've been on Pinterest for a while, go back in the previous quarter in the previous year and look at where your numbers are at. I will concede that there is a drop in traffic this year. Now you have to look at 2019, if you were marketing on Pinterest then and do some comparison, it's kind of like 2020 with the numbers. You have to normalize them because we do know even from some of our clients, it was quadruple what their normal numbers were. You have to look at seasonality too. August to uh, February 15th is high traffic time for food bloggers. February 15th, it's like off a cliff and everybody's like, oh my gosh, my traffic is gone. It normally happens like that. So you have to know your patterns too. And when your seasons are really, you when you need to run, it's like on Pinterest, when you need to run and when you need to slow down and when you need to catch up and when you need to go faster. So analytics once a month, if you use, obviously go into Pinterest too as well, take note of what you're seeing as far as saves, as far as clicks to your website. And then for story pins, you're going to look at saves and close up some impressions, which I don't love to use the impressions metric, but for story pins, you really have to do that. So I take about an hour. I meet with my social media manager. We did it yesterday. We go through what our previous month's growth was, what we're seeing as the highest pins driving the most traffic, and then any tweaks or changes we want to make based on where we see Pinterest kind of sending us. I absolutely
0: loved what you said about the time to analyze the data, because I think it's so easy for people to say, yeah, I looked at my analytics, you know, I reviewed it, but the numbers without measuring them against some sort of goal or even some past metric, really, they're just numbers at that point. And I loved that you said the difference between strategy and tactic, because that is so important. And if your strategy is to get traffic to your blog, to me, that is kind of a, part one of the strategy, it's like, then what, you know, is it just getting traffic to your blog for ad impressions? Because that's, that's a full goal. But if it's getting traffic to your blog to grow your email list or to sell digital products or whatever else, the second part of that goal is, then it really helps you to analyze those numbers and hopefully not panic as much if they've gone down. But yeah, there's, there's just so many people that I think just take a very quick glance at numbers and get frustrated that they went down or they went up and they don't know why. But there's Mm. just so much more behind the scenes than just those things. So I love that whole explanation.
1: Yeah. And I would say if I can jump to mistake number two with the images, I think that you just provided a great segue because one of the second mistakes is not connecting your images to your goal. So if your goal is getting more traffic to your website, you can't just have your image say vegan mac and cheese. It needs to be something that's maybe a little bit more clickbaity. I mean, like, I don't want to use that in a negative way, but maybe it's like, what's the secret ingredient in this mac and cheese or something like that? Because if you are ads monetized and that's your number one goal, you do need eyeballs. And what a lot of people end up doing is they just either copy what a bunch of other people are doing and use that same template, which drives me absolutely crazy because there's no originality, obviously. And each one of us, we started a business because we have creativity and uniqueness. So think about that two seconds or whatever in your image that really pulls them in. Don't do this like close up on the mac and cheese and then the backup on the mac and cheese. Do it on a fork or do it differently. Like get... A little bit creative with this and ask for help if you're not. Like, I am not the best at images. I need people to help give me feedback because I could spend like three hours and it still looks horrible, right? It's just, it's not my thing. So I would say, really looking at your images as that front door to a click. And if that is important to you, don't just slap up the name of your recipe. Test a few, mess around with them, get creative, but get really focused on your numbers and what people are clicking on in your analytics, what those images look like, and then dial that in. I can't stress that enough because I see a lot of food bloggers, especially fall into this trap of what everybody else is doing. And it's like, I think with Pinterest marketing works best and it's most successful when people get tunnel vision on their people and how they serve them. And that comes through in those images. Absolutely, and I actually would love.
0: This is probably not mistake number three necessarily, but I would love for you to unpack this concept of your person a little bit more because Mm. this is something that I talk to my audience a lot about. You know, knowing your audience, knowing who you're talking to, and I am pretty sure you gave that talk at MediaVine, that conference in Austin, right? I listened Mm -hmm. to that one, and so I remember you talking about this concept of you know knowing who your person is and what you are saying to them, really. So I would love for you to just unpack maybe a couple nuggets from like that idea and how people could figure that out. Because I think people really struggle to know with certainty, and maybe you can't know with certainty who you're speaking to.
1: Right, right. So I think number one is to know that you might have different people on different platforms and you might have somebody that's like your, your blog reader. So I would say like, start with the basis of why you do what you do, right? Like you started this business because of X, Y, Z. So I'll say I started my business because I wanted to teach pin- people how to do Pinterest marketing in a very efficient and effective way. Well, the people that for us are on Instagram, they already kind of know how to do Pinterest. They're not new. They're just following for tips, right? But the people on Pinterest we discovered, because we looked at our Google Analytics and we looked at returning users and new users in there, specifically under Pinterest, they're almost always new. They're new people and they're beginner. They are the basic, they, we looked back at all of our pins too, the ones driving the most traffic, they fall in the buckets of how-to and tutorials and they're very basic. And so that helped us discover that, okay, our person on Pinterest, they are wanting to know how to do certain things, like how to upload video, how to do a story pin, how to clean up Pinterest boards. It was like, we could go down the list. And then we decided, okay, if our goal is email marketing, all of those things need to have an entry point that will help serve those people. And so it's a little bit of this discovery to say, okay, how do people use the platform? Obviously, it's it's totally different with the two. And number two, who are they based on what they are clicking on or what's ranking high in search? So if you can do that, you can kind of guess. There's also a sneaky other little ways. You can look at those pins that um, people are pinning. And you can see, you can go down and see what board they're pinned to and see what people name their boards. You might be really surprised to find that like a ton of people are pinning your stuff that are gluten-free, but you're not a gluten-free person, but you created like a potato dish that doesn't have gluten in it, right? So I think there's little ways to investigate on the platform to give you an idea, but you really just have to know that they're just different. They're really not. They're, they're new too. that, which is great. People are always like, I want new people. I want new readers. Well, they're over there. Yeah, I love that. And I think
0: that's kind of back when you started doing Pinterest, there was or maybe a couple of years into it, there was just this movement of like automating everything. And I am yeah. all for efficiency and automation too, but you have to automate in kind of silos of like, I'm going to automate things for Pinterest. or I'm going to automate things for Instagram and not just reuse the exact same thing on all the platforms because it just doesn't work on all of the platforms. So Mm. I love that tip. And I love the board tip as well, because I think that can give you so much insight. And in general, I just always tell people like, there's a little bit of deductive reasoning you have to do here. It's not necessarily going to be so clear right in front of your face, like who this person is, but you have to think Why is this person searching for this? What else do they need to go with this recipe Mm. and just kind of spend some time and really just slow down to be able to analyze those things. So
1: yeah, I love that. All right. Mistake number three. So you just kind of hinted at it and I might even link into a mistake number four, but we'll do number three. And I think that is the automation piece using an old strategy and not being nimble and flexible to change with where the platform is going. We're currently doing this with a lot of our clients. Majority of them are in food. They've been with me for three to four, even five years, and it's time for us to go. Pinterest is changing. We need something new. It's not about how many you pins you do per day. It's, you know, the automation thing was, you know, there's that program that kept looping and sharing and over and over and over again. So the mistake I still see people making is they still buy into this old strategy that if I can put up as much as I can, if I can make 20 images per one post, if I can just help the platform with my content I'm going to grow I'm across my fingers and that removes that intentionality and consistency and I think what we're at with Pinterest is you can pull that down you can do less per day. You can invest in what we call diversification of your strategy, which means story pins and video pins and make it more about these new things that Pinterest is going to. And I do think that will benefit you with traffic and less pins per day. It's like, it's been hard to get people to come back down to go. You don't need 30 or 40 per day. You might just need 10 to 15 per day. I'm even going down to right around five per day. It's not this, I don't want people also to say, this is kind of goes along with it, not to be stuck in this per day magic. People ask me that all the time. They're like, how many should I do per day? It's like, man, there's so many things that are going with that. How much content do you have? How often do you write posts? How many images do you have per blog post? So I think the the biggest mistake I see right now, it's almost like people are holding on to the old and they're not ready to embrace the new and they just want to, um, put as many out there. So I would say drop down to less per day and get really strategic with your goals again. And back to that. And I think, you know, not paying attention to the the details too of like keywords, I'll kind of bucket those into that final mistake is using the old, hoping it works, but not really digging in and spending more time. It's almost like on Pinterest, we're going, okay, we can stop running. Now we can just give the platform all of our great stuff and we we think it will still take off, but we have to kind of wait on some of it. But I know it's hard for people and bloggers especially to pull back on the number of pins per day on Pinterest because we've been so conditioned to do it all these years. But we are definitely seeing that the pins per day, especially if you don't create new content, it's just not beneficial anymore. It's really just not working. So I would say stop pinning so many pins per day or expecting it to be the magic number. That's another thing too. People are like, okay, how much is the ratio? How much is this? Here's the thing. I don't care how many pins you pin per day. I just don't want you spamming people. And I don't care if you pin other people's stuff either. There's no rule. I feel like I just went through like seven mistakes in one, but you get it.
0: Yes. And I think, I think the biggest thing that hopefully people take from that is kind of like that big sigh of relief. Like, okay, I don't have to do all of those things in order to see success on Pinterest. And that really should be like a deep sigh of relief for people. So with all of those mistakes in mind, if there was kind of one, either a strategy to try or just kind of one thing to take away. So we're kind of saying like, you can let go of all of these things that maybe you've thought and been conditioned to do. So what is the thing? to do then moving forward in creating maybe your new like 2021 Pinterest strategy?
1: Yeah, I think for us, especially it's really leaning into story pins. And why I say that right now is because I do think there's a direct impact on traffic still. And I do think there's a direct impact on growing followers and Pinterest is prioritizing them. Some people started again, this is the same thing that happens. People started in the beginning, they got crazy good numbers. And they're like, wait a minute, they're dropping down. We see that on Instagram too. You do your first couple of reels and you know Instagram gives you all the love and then you keep doing them and they're like, eh, we're going to pump the brakes a little bit, right? But I do think it's still a really great beneficial way. I was talking with somebody else who's really leaning into this. She's on the inside of the program and she said, this is the thing that people need to be doing right now is to take advantage of where those platforms go. And they're always going to change and shift. So it's really going, okay, the, the landscape is story pins, video pins with the foundation of static pins. I think people don't embrace that it was going to be detrimental. So for us, for me specifically, I'm dialing back the number of pins per day. I'm upping to story pins about three times a week. And then I don't do video for my business because I'm in the B2B space. So it's a little bit tougher, but um, I think story pins are a really good way for me to also teach how to's in those formats. So that's what I would tell people to do. Cut your pinning in half, especially if you're somebody that's like the 40, 50 per day range, and then lean into the diversification of story pins. I love
0: it. Is there any tips that you would give for some of the, you know, the automation side of things? Do you recommend a scheduler? Do you recommend doing things live? Does it matter anymore?
1: You know, truthfully, it didn't matter a lot, but I do know that there was a hiccup with Tailwind that happened late in 2020, early 2021, where people were seeing their numbers really just All over the map in using Tailwind. So, that being said, I would tell people, look at your numbers. Mine have not changed. I've not felt that impact, but I don't want to diminish somebody who's like, I looked at my numbers. It's totally different if I pin through Tailwind than I pin through Pinterest. But again, that person really knows, right? It's not this go on the camp of somebody posted this in a group, so everybody's going to do it. You may pop into Tailwind and feel like, or Planally, or later, or Canva has a scheduling tool now. Like, there's a lot who have that API. So, schedule versus live doesn't matter. But if you feel that it does, because you've looked at your numbers, I'm going to go for it. I love automation because I forget. I will forget. You can't automate story pins and it's a really hard to schedule video. So I recommend in those two cases, you just upload natively. We have tested the scheduling tool. They have a native scheduler. It's not awesome. I don't love it. So, I like Tailwind Analytics too. I think they're really helpful to give me a third place to go look, especially at board performance. A lot of people have group boards, a ton of group boards still left on their account, and I just say you got to get rid of those if they're not working for you. And the only place that you can tell, you can do some deep diving in Pinterest Analytics, but you can get a better picture in Tailwind Analytics. So, Keep it for that reason. And they are doing less pins per day in their packages too, as well. They're making some shifts. Obviously, they're in connection with Pinterest. So they're making those decisions based on that. But yeah, I'm a big fan of scheduling tools. And especially if you can get one that has Instagram with it, so you could schedule that, you don't have to worry about it.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I was just curious if there was a right or wrong answer in that scenario, but I had a feeling it was one of those every account's a little bit different. So there's not an
1: easy answer. I know. I want the easy answer. I want it.
0: Yes. (laughs) Don't we all? All right. Well, before I just kind of wrap up with a few questions, is there anything else related to Pinterest specifically that you want to share or have we covered it all?
1: I feel like we've gone pretty deep, but, um, Yeah. Just leaving people with like, just really take some time, block it out in your calendar. Now I do it once a month for an hour. We just ask a lot of questions. Don't be afraid to ask the weird questions about like, Ooh, maybe we should try this. Or maybe we should try that. I think we're at this place on Pinterest where you can really try a whole lot. And that's where you're going to be that person that can go into a Facebook group and be like, Oh my gosh, this worked for me. Right. And I tried this. I, I think that's where we're at with Pinterest is just being bold enough to try something new. Well, unrelated
0: to Pinterest, I wanted to make sure to ask you this because I have definitely seen the value in building a team and scaling in that way over the last couple of years. And I know that's something you're really passionate about too. And it's something that I really love to impart to food bloggers because I truly don't think we should be doing business alone and we can ask for support and we deserve support. So could you share any sort of nugget of advice that you would love to share about building a team and just getting support in your business?
1: Yeah, definitely. So there's a few things that have been super instrumental for me. I'll share. One resource is Patrick Lencioni. He has a book called The Ideal Team Player. Such a great book. It's written like a fiction. He has some great assessments at the end. We've used that for our team. I found that later down the road after I hired some people, but it's such a great book. Um, Number two would be there are other people that are way smarter than me. I'm not the smartest person in the room, but I am the smartest gatherer. I'm good at looking and going. Oh you're really good at this and I'm not or you have this gift and I'm not. And I think why would I not empower women? I have an all women team to use the gifts that they didn't even know that they were good at, right? And so I love that aspect of it. And number 3 is everybody learns best through mistakes and nobody needs shame on top of it. Your people are going to make a mistake and there's times where my people have screwed up big time. But you know who feels worse about that? The person who made the mistake. So if if you want to be a really good boss, one, you need to model what, it, what your expectations are first. And then when they do screw up, you need to be the person who's the encourager because they are devastated. They don't want to screw up for you. Like, sure, there's bad apples, right, that are out there. And I've had a few come through as well. But for the most part, every experience that we've had that has been rough, people have walked away and they've learned something. And we call it fail forward here at Simple Pin. We fail forward. That's what we do. Because there's no reason going back. We learned something really great. We would have never learned it before without this screw up. And now we'll put this in place. So I think if you have those things in place, you're going to create a great team. And do not, for the love of all things holy, do not be a micromanager. Because nobody does well with that. You will kill someone's creativity and their ability to use their gifts to really shine for you. If you're micromanaging every single thing thing. Decide what you care about and let go of the rest because truthfully, it doesn't really matter. I knew what I cared about. And for me, I cared about how we came across in emails. And so I created template emails and I said, this is what you say. You're going to CC me on everything. I'm going to course correct and coach you over time. And then eventually I didn't have to be CC'd. And now everybody creates templates that are far better than I created. I look at them and I'm like, oh this is amazing. Mine were horrible because they caught wind of what I was passionate about. And they knew the way I wanted to speak to clients and to our community that they took it and ran with it. So I just think like empowering other people and providing jobs, like think about it that way too. Like you can provide income for other people they would have maybe never had before, especially people who are stay at home, dad or mom. They probably don't want to go out in the traditional workforce and you have something that they can do at home. So be so awesome. They never want to leave. That's really my true motto. I love all of that so much.
0: I definitely think there's so much to say about building a team culture and just really valuing people and the people that are, you know, serving your business, serving your lifestyle even. And so, I just loved all of that. So, okay, where can people connect with you, learn more about working with Simplepin Media, and also you can talk about your it's not really a new brand because it's you, the Kate yeah. all brand, but you can talk about that side of building a, you know, an agency model as well.
1: Yeah. So at Simple Pin Media on all social channels and then simplepinmedia.com, we obviously have the hire us or learn from us model on both the organic and the ads side. So if people want to learn Pinterest ads, we have a community for that. And then learning organic Pinterest, we have a community for that too. And then I started kateall.com uh, at the beginning of this year as a way to teach that agency model, to teach the team building, to teach the leadership. I'd started under the Simple Pin brand and the team and I kind of walked back and said, yeah, I don't know if this is really what, you know, it feels a sidestep away from Pinterest marketing. And so we want to keep Simple Pen super clean on that topic. So we want, they're basically like, we want to release you to go do this. And that was really important for me because as a person who does lead a team, I don't want them to ever feel abandoned. So we made some changes in our business. I have a COO now who handles most of the daily stuff. So I'm able to sidestep over there. And that is, that's been a new thing for me. Starting, a second business from scratch, especially with no team, I will tell you that's been a challenge for me as well because I'm so used to being like, oh, who could do that? Who could do that? And really it's me. I'm the only one to do it. So Kateall.com is that one. So if people are interested in it says Pinterest agency growth building scaling right now. But I think that'll really change and have a new iteration into leadership and team building.
0: Yeah. And I think anyone can really take those those tips about leadership and apply them to whether it's a blog or you know another kind of business because really at the end of the day when you're growing a team you are increasing capacity to do more work as a team and that comes with a lot of challenges and growth areas for leadership and you know just refining your business at in general so I love that and did you mention your podcast too?
1: Oh, yeah. Simple Pin Podcast. You can listen to all the things over there. I have toyed around with a second podcast, too. But of course, I'm a one person show. So I haven't done that yet. But yeah, Simple Pin Podcast for Pinterest tips.
0: Awesome. Well, many people may already be listening to the podcast, but I know that they obviously are podcast listeners. So I always like to to plug that. Well, thank you so much, Kate. This was so much fun. I feel like re-energized to get back in the Pinterest game. And I know everybody listening will really take away a lot of things to do and things not to do. And hopefully take 2021, the rest of it by storm with their Pinterest marketing strategy. So thank you so
1: much. Yeah, you bet. Thank you.